Hey everyone, this is Kelsey Jo Hillis, photographer, entrepreneur, wife, mom, and recovering people pleaser. This is my podcast, Picturing Purpose, where I have transparent and meaningful conversations with people from all different walks of life. My hope with this podcast is that you find encouragement, lean on faith, and trust God's purpose for your life. So with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode of Picturing Purpose. Hello, Purpose Pleasers. It's been a month since I've recorded an intro, and I'm honestly feeling a little rusty. Crazy how things can change when our patterns change. I hope you all enjoyed the recap episode last week. It was so fun going back and discussing all of the episodes since our launch in September. I can't believe we are on episode 21 today. This year, I am believing that we can truly impact and encourage people to live in their purpose. 2022 is the year of intentional change. This week's episode is with my new friend, Emily. She is currently living in California, but came down to visit family in Arkansas. I grabbed her for an interview because I was seeing some amazing things she was doing through social media and felt called to have her on the podcast. I'm so glad I listened to that tug because we had a great discussion over her testimony and evangelism. Her story is pretty remarkable and her confidence in Christ is admirable. She lives in daily obedience and does some big things for the kingdom. I'm so thankful to have met her. If you ever have any questions regarding the podcast or need more information, please email me at picturingpurposepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening to Picturing Purpose. This month, we are donating 100% of our proceeds to people in need. You can donate by going to kelseyjophotography.com slash picturingpurposepodcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Purpose Pleasers. My name is Kelsey Joe. Thanks for listening to Picturing Purpose. I have a super cool friend with me today. Her name is Emily Langford. Go ahead and say hi, Emily. Hey, guys. So happy to be with you guys and with Kelsey today. <laughs> She's so cute. She's, <laughs> this is the first time I've met her. We've actually been into in communication with each other since this summer, and what was it? You did something, you did a, um, hosted a revival in Mulberry, was it? Yeah, so just different revival nights through Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas, just yeah. this, this past July. Yeah, and Brooke happened to help you with the Mulberry one. Yeah, she did. that's her stomping grounds, and she, I guess she shared something on her story or yeah. something of that sort, and I came across you and I was like, oh, she sounds super cool. <laughs> Like super anointed and obedient, and I just I was just really drawn to you, and and then I was like, hey, uh, I'm starting a podcast. Would love to have you on sometime. And you know, you're far away, some with California, right? Yeah, okay. Right. I was like, where is this Bethel place at? Not within driving distance. Right, right. And I was like, okay, well, you know, hopefully one day it happens. And then yeah. she posted on her story, just gosh, what was it, a few weeks ago? Yeah. And you're like. Hey, Arkansas people, I'm going to be in town if you guys want to get lunch or whatever. And I was like, what about a podcast recording? Because <laughs> I actually did not plan on doing any recordings um, around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely making an exception for this Aww. one. Anyway, I just felt really drawn to 
you and having you on here. And, uh, and Brooke, when we first, when you and I, Emily, started talking mm-hmm. about uh, talking, I messaged Brooke and I was like, okay, tell me about this oh. Emily girl. And she was like, listen, you're going to love her. She's amazing. She has this super awesome radical story of how the Lord saved her. And now she's just living for Jesus. And what was the exact word she said? <laughs> I can't even remember There's exactly no <laughs> what it was. But it says something about like now she is like taking over the world <laughs> with Jesus. Something like that. And... Anyway, I was like, okay, I'm really going to like this girl. And then we had a conversation, and it was Mm -hmm. in the middle of my crazy season last week of just Mm -hmm. trying to get Christmas photos out, and it was like my one break out of like 72 hours. I just went outside, and I sat in our backyard, and I talked to you for 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. and afterwards I was like, I'm so glad that I got connected to this girl because she is just definitely filled with the Holy Spirit and confident in that. And your prayer that you spoke over me was super needed in that time. And I don't know if you remember exactly what you said, but you mentioned something about how, because I was in a time of stagnancy of like, Mm -hmm. and still kind of coming through the end of that right now, um, of just constantly working and not not giving myself a break and not being compassionate towards myself because I am just zoned in on doing everything for everybody else right now. And you asked to pray over me and you said, you had mentioned that, you know, the Lord wants to be my business partner. Mm-hmm. The Lord wants to yes. be um, in on everything with me. He wants to be a podcast host of, yes. you know, all of these things. And I was just like, you know what? You're right. Like, even in these times of stagnancy, like, mm-hmm. he understands that I'm going through this, but he just wants to be there. Yeah. And for me to not put him on the back burner, like, okay, God, I'll get to you later. Yeah. You know, I got to I gotta work, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, that prayer you spoke over me was just really really helpful in that time so thank you yeah um so tell me tell tell you kind of gave me a tiny backstory to your testimony (laughs) do you mind sharing with our listeners your just start from day one not your birth but like (laughs) you know your rebirth (laughs) yes come on yeah I would love to first Kelsey just thanks so much for having me oh yes honor what you're studying here and just love what God is doing, and yeah, I feel so honored just to get to sit here and be connected to you, so thanks so much for having me in this space. Um, but like Kelsey said, my name is Emily, and my testimony, Brooke, is not wrong. It's quite radical, <laughs> and it can be offensive to the religious spirit. Um, it's pretty oh. wild, but um, <laughs> I grew up in the church, in a spirit-filled church, seeing people healed and seeing words of knowledge and prophecy and, really? you know, powerful worship where we're just encountering the glory of God, the person of Jesus on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And um, even at eight years old, you know, I, I, don't, I can't even hardly pinpoint the time I got saved because... It was just like Jesus was this family friend who was around, and I was like, right. <laughs> I want a personal relationship with this man yeah. that I've seen my father be so intimate with, and oh, and seen it at the dinner table with us. So I've seen who Jesus is, and at eight years old, I think was probably the first time I, I realized the power of God and how real it was. And I was sitting in children's church, and no one was talking about the Holy Spirit. There was no big special moment. But I just felt this heat come on my body. 
And I felt the vo- <laughs> I heard the voice of the Lord for the first time. Yeah. And kind of a quirky thing about me when I was a little kid, my sister and I would pretend that we could speak Spanish. It was the strangest <laughs> thing. We would just babble nothingness. It meant nothing right. to anyone. I feel like a lot of kids try to do <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. Just speaking languages. Yeah. And when the Holy Spirit came on me, he said, Emily, I want you to speak Spanish, but to my heart right now. Mm. And he had broken down into childlike language the ability to pray in tongues. Yeah. And I just started babbling to his heart mm. while I felt his presence all over me. And that was the first marking moment. And within weeks from of that encounter in Children's Church, I led someone to the Lord in my elementary cafeteria. I just started going kid by kid. Do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Like, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And this kid who gave his life to the Lord, I still remember his face and his name. And he came from a really rough family. And I, I just remember being so broken from the loss at that point. But unfortunately, there were a lot of things that happened between being eight and about 24 that caused a really extended amount of rebellion. Um, Around the time of 14, we just went through a really tough time as a family. And from 14 to 24, I was on drugs and partying and pursuing selfish ambition. My literal goal was global domination. And I wanted power. I wanted influence. I wanted money. Mm. And it was to fill all the voids that actually Jesus wanted to come and fill in my life. And I lived a really wild, radical lifestyle for for the world. And when I was 24, I just graduated college. And I was the most depressed, most lost, most like you could not find someone who appeared further from God and further from following uh, following Jesus. Yeah. And I had gone to Nashville, Tennessee for Shania Twain concert, just kind of like a celebration for graduating college. Let's go, girls. And, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was honestly, to this day, my favorite concert. Yeah. And, I love Shania. <laughs> I mean, we grew up in the South. Yeah. So that's a rive passive. Yeah. You gotta love yes. Shania Twig. And we had just left a bar, and it was probably three or four in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I knew the Holy Spirit. And here's where it gets a little offensive to any uh, religious mm-hmm. spirit that can lie to us as Christians or even unbelievers that we have to be clean and perfect to present ourselves to God. And it's actually just the blood of Jesus that can do that because this whole time that I was living in rebellion and the religious spirit would look at my life and say, she's not a candidate to encounter Jesus. She's not who Jesus would use. But I would be in bars and ministering to girls on the floor of the bathroom and telling bartenders about Jesus. Yes. And so here I am, 24, broken. But this whole time, Kelsey, this 10-year stint of rebellion, I was having encounters with the Holy Spirit. I felt His presence. I was pursuing Him. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between loving God and following Jesus. You can love God, but you can not be following the path that Jesus is on. And so here I am 24 outside of a bar in downtown Nashville. And I feel that same fire of the Holy Spirit come on my body that I did at eight years old and continually felt for 24 years. And I felt compelled to just look up to the sky. And when I did, I don't know any other way to explain it than it felt like I made eye contact with heaven and something gripped my heart. And I heard the Lord say, it was almost so loud, it felt audible, Mm -hmm. where he said, are you ready to turn around? 
I start weeping. My friends have no idea what's going on, but I'm, I know what's happening. I'm encountering Jesus. Right. And so I They're get, like, wow, she's really drunk yeah, tonight. Yeah, it's not, it's a, it's a different kind of wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I hop into the Uber. We get back to the Airbnb, and the next morning I wake up, and I'm like, was that real? What happened? Yeah. But I'm also so sick, have alcohol poisoning. And so I hop wow. into the car. I'm trying to debate, should I go to the hospital? So I go to the holiest land in Nashville, and that's Chick-fil-A <laughs> drive through And I'm like, there so ain't holy. nothing Chick-fil-A sauce can't fix, you know? Yes. And so I get my food, and I just start crying again. And I prayed the most simple prayer in that parking lot of Chick-fil-A in Nashville. And I said, Jesus... If you take this hangover away, uh-huh. I will give you all of my life for the rest of my life. And those are dangerous prayers to pray because mm-hmm. he only needs, like, if you just lean in a little bit, the Bible says when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Yes. And that one leaning in, it just swooshed into my life. And I was radically and instantly, miraculously delivered in that car of all drug, alcohol dependency. Everything I cursed all the time, I was dropping f bombs everywhere. Yeah, I completely turned away from that lifestyle, hopped in the car, drove back to Arkansas, and never went back to that lifestyle again. Wow, and just eight months later, I found myself working full time at a church planting movement wow. in Arkansas, pastoring youth, project managing, leading creative teams, leading young adults. And revival broke out of my best friend and I's tiny living room in Fort Smith, Arkansas, where youth um, for the church that I was working at began to come and encounter God. And Kelsey, wow. I had no idea what prophecy was, what like yeah. I had nothing. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to pray for the sick. And these students were coming, and I'm talking like preteens, teenagers. And I, at the time, I knew three chords on the piano. My best friend Megan had just started leading worship again had recently left a radical lifestyle as well. And yeah. with those three chords, we were the last people man or church leadership would have ever picked, but God chose us to yeah. lead students into authentic relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And we see students start releasing prophetic words over people's destinies and, and situations at home. And through just simple obedience, I went from being this drug and alcohol dependent right. girl who, whose plan was to move to New York City mm-hmm. and pursue real estate entrepreneurship to Fort Smith, Arkansas, Yeah, seeing revival break out of our, our tiny little living room, right. a single mom, and then me who had just left craziness. Yeah. And that's who God chose to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to do the ministry of Jesus. Wow. It's so offensive. But yeah. that, that is my story, and I, I'm so proud of it now. And where are you at now? Yeah, so I worked for that church for three years, mm-hmm. and I picked up, and another act of obedience, went to Redding, California, which is Northern California, and there's a church there called Bethel, and they have a ministry school that yeah. their mission is to raise up revivalists and deploy them all across the earth. And so I just wrapped up three years there, and it was such an amazing time. And and now kind of in transition and have launched um, a couple of different ministries, like you mentioned, traveled over the summer, but I'm just above all of that, just loving God, loving people. Just letting him lead your every step. Yeah. Wow. That's it. That is just super cool to me, like how obedient you are. Like not a lot of people, like even like some of the greatest Christians that I've ever met, like lack that obedience Mm. because they're so afraid including me just so afraid of 
of what might happen. Right. And, well, what what if this happens? You yeah. know, letting that fear sit in. Yeah. And um, yeah. that's amazing. Like, your story is so, so cool. Okay, so our... We initially didn't have a topic at all, and we were on the phone, and we were like, well, I mean, like, can we just pray on it and see what we want to talk about? And we really sparked the gift of evangelism Mm -hmm. right off the bat because you had mentioned um, that, you know, you do a little bit of coaching, like Mm -hmm. spiritual mentorships and things like that, and and that evangelism is kind of something that you really... Mm -hmm. uh, care about mm-hmm. a lot yep. and that are, is, are passionate about that mm-hmm. and I told you my story of yes. you know just kind of just a little short clip clip mm-hmm. into my life which I've explained a lot on um on different episodes uh, mm-hmm. leading up to this one that you know my story is a little a little wonky but mm-hmm. that's okay yeah. um you know I was saved when I was 12 and I just kind of really allowed my past and my mm-hmm. uh, my trauma to affect you yeah. know what I wanted what yeah. I desired and I desired for men to love me mm-hmm. and um, I, I basically kind of lived a life like yours mm-hmm. uh, drank a lot I just kind of wanted people to accept and love me yeah. and that was just kind yeah. of my my tunnel through that and I recently, just kind of after I had my daughter, my second child, I really just started to analyze my life a little bit more. The pandemic happened, you know, my second child was actually mm-hmm. not planned. And so that was a really big life changer for mm-hmm. us. And so yeah. when we had her, it was really hard for me to accept because I was like, this is not my plan. Like we can't really afford a second Mm -hmm. child. Like what's going to happen. And we had her and it was just kind of like, my timing is always perfect. Mm -hmm. That was what I felt that whole pregnancy was like, trust my timing. Mm -hmm. And she really lit a fire within me of like, Mm -hmm. just to really analyze my life with the Lord and to get back into church. And, you know, we started going back to church and that was just a really big influence on us. Um, Our church is really big on, on growth and um, leadership and fellowship. And so Mm -hmm. when we all, you know, as soon as we started going, it was like, Hey, like what's your Mm -hmm. spiritual gift? Like, do you want to get involved in this? And we slowly just got involved in things. And I mean, that was truly like a blessing for us Mm -hmm. to find that church. And, Anyway, long story short, I just felt a calling um, for this podcast, and I didn't yeah. really know the ins or outs of it. I was like, I don't really, I, you know, I'm, I'm really dusty on the Bible, and like, I really need to dig into that, and you know, maybe this needs to be something later on, and the Lord was like, nope, it's now. Like, you're ready now. Right, yeah. And I think that it shows a lot for listeners to see that someone that mm-hmm. isn't just perfectly knowledgeable on the Bible and just knows everything in and out that they can't start something. Come on. You know what I mean? Like they can't just start at least Mm -hmm. getting active and, uh, and motivating other people. Um, but I'm watching this bug on that chair and it's really driving me crazy. (laughs) What kind of bug is that? That's a big bug is what that is. Oh my gosh. Brooke, go kill that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You don't have to kill it. (laughs) But it really is. It's like a beetle or something. ADHD. Okay. (laughs) So... 
anyway, I was had a conversation with my friend Hannah from church, and I've explained this in another episode before, but I'll, I'll say it again. I was putting things away in my pantry, and I just mm-hmm. had her on my speakerphone, and she's yeah. one of my really um, close spiritual mentor <clears throat> friends that I just... She's she's on speed dial basically, and <laughs> we need those friends. Yes, she's awesome, and we were talking about spiritual gifts, and I mm-hmm. I kind of brought up, you know, like well, you know, like what are mine? Like, yeah. well, what's my spiritual gift? Like, you know, like I don't really feel mm-hmm. like I. I mean, I don't I don't understand yeah. it at all. And mm-hmm. she was like, and she later on she had told me that you know this wasn't like something she had even thought about before. Mm-hmm. Like it was an instant mm-hmm. thing that the Lord put yeah. into her mind. Yeah. And she's like, well, see, I can tell you right now it's evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, look at the people that you are able to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. She's like, could you see me hanging out with the, some of the people that you are with sometimes? <laughs> because she's very just yeah. reserved yeah. and quiet and, you know, and I was like, well, no. And she's like, you have that ability to yeah. relate to people and make f- people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people have that. Even some of the most devout Christians can't bring themselves mm-hmm. to a place mm-hmm. of, of being comfortable with a non-believer and yeah. having hard discussions. And um, it was just really enlightened. It enlightened mm-hmm. me a lot. And um, anyway, that's why I really like to talk about evangelism. Yes, and yeah. I learned a lot recently just through studying through for this podcast um, mm-hmm. that uh, <clears throat> the one of the uh, videos that I watched last night mm-hmm. uh, brought up the definition of evangelism, which is the messenger of good news. Yeah. And I loved that. It just hit yeah. my soul. Like I was like, yes, yes. that's right. <laughs> we yes. are messengers of good news. Yes. And um, that we have, you know, strengths and weaknesses to that as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was, I'm not reading off my list right now, but that was kind of one of the questions that I had for you was, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of our, first of all, to you, what is, mm-hmm. what is evangelism? Yeah, well, I think it's um, important to even, with that question, distinguish the difference because there's we see different examples mm. of evangelists and evangelism throughout scripture and different responsibilities and authorities that are delegated by how God calls us and graces us because gift just means grace. So there's mm. spiritual graces that come with empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so, you know, you'll see um, going from the, the local church, there's a responsibility for the entire church to do the work the evangelist, and we see that um, in 2 Timothy 4, 5, I believe it says to do the work of the evangelist. Mm-hmm. And then from there, then there's a spiritual gift of evangelism. And so while everyone is called to do the work of the evangelist, because we're called, you know, Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. But from there, then there's the gift of evangelism, a spiritual gift, a spiritual grace that rests on people's life and grace to me just means doing something that without the Holy Spirit empowering you you might not be able to do you know you because we can't heal but then right. the Holy Spirit the power of God comes Spirit on us can. yes mm-hmm. and so to me a gift that grace is like doing something that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do but then even over that we actually get covering from the fivefold, pastor, teacher, prophet, teacher. No, I gotta, I gotta mix that up here. We've got apostle, prophet, pastor, <laughs> teacher, evangelist. Woo! It's yes. a mouthful of it. 
And so then you have almost like the governmental of the fivefold. And so the the purpose of the fivefold is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so distinguishing the difference between the fivefold, you're talking about someone who's there's like a lifelong calling, like they're going to equip a lot of people. If they're, you know, a prophet, they're going to help build prophetic culture in a church. Mm-hmm. If they're evangelists, equipping local pastors and building up other evangelists. And then um, underneath that covering is people who have a grace for evangelism. So you're saying for your friend, it's like, oh, I don't know if I could, you know, it doesn't come as easy to me. But there's clearly a grace on your life. And so just wanted to throw that in because I feel like that almost helps um, people listening understand that you don't have to go out and be Todd White. You know, like there might be a grace on your life or you may say, hey, I'm more in the category where I'm like, this feels hard, but I know that we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. And so evangelism... For me personally, you just said it's to proclaim the good news or to be a messenger of good news. Um, And that is the biblical definition. But my personal definition, because I think of my story and experiences, for me, it's my eagerness to see Jesus receive the reward of his suffering through my life. Because I know that, you know, sometimes we can wait on permission to go do something great for God, kind of like you're talking about. Like, yeah. am I qualified to start this podcast? Yeah. But Jesus gave us permission through the Great Commission. We actually don't need anyone else to tell us to go. Jesus already did. Yeah. And so for me, I'm looking at this 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 worthy, worthy, worthy man who is humble enough to say, you can be my friend, but I'm also your Lord. Yeah. Like, I was gracious enough to be your Savior, but I'm also going to be this like intimate friend that walks with you. Mm. And I've just caught eyes with this man, this worthy lamb, this man, this friend, this king, this Lord, this savior. And I've become convicted mm. of what it cost him for scriptures like everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. His blood made provision for that to be a reality. And I'm willing to give the rest of my life now to seeing other people awaken to the reality of what relationship with Jesus does. So for me, evangelism is simply, I want this kind king, this kind friend to receive the reward, the joy set before him when he was on the cross. And I want to see the scattered orphans, you know, in every nation, every tribe, every tongue, I want to see them come into intimate relationship and knowing of Jesus. And that's what he died for. Mm-hmm. It says in John three sixteen, we can overlook that. Because especially growing up in the South, most people, if you grew up in the South, you probably went to church. But, yeah. you know, we hear John three sixteen all the time that God so loved. God was not so mad at the world that he gave his only son. Yeah. God so loved. Yeah. And so there is that joy set before him was us. It was those who would make a decision to be reconciled to the Father And I am jealous to see Jesus receive his reward through every simple obedience in my life and in other people's lives. Wow. That was good. That was just one question. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get to the strengths and weaknesses of an evangelist. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone that's listening that um, has possibly thought, hey, maybe I have that grace that gift one thing that has really i think it was even the episode with my friend joel he's a pastor at kingdom church he um planted gosh i think they planted it just a couple years ago but 
we got on the subject of, you know, at the beginning of my, my intro on my podcast, mm-hmm. I'm a recovering people pleaser. And Come that's on. something that we're big on here is instead of pleasing people, we're yes. purpose pleasers. Um, yes. And that's something that a lot of my generation deals with is people yeah. pleasing because yeah. it's just what we grew up with and yeah. you just want to make everybody happy. And mm-hmm. that's one of my biggest struggles. And I think mm-hmm. that is one of the main things that gets in the way of my mm-hmm. evangelism gift just yeah. being in full 100% impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, the weakness of an evangelist <laughs> mm-hmm. is probably overthinking, um, emotional, overly sensitive, which someone may think that that's not a weakness. <laughs> Maybe that's a strength. And sometimes it is, mm-hmm. um, but I would say that those are probably the weaker parts of me is that I overthink mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And, um, but I'm also, my strengths are I'm compassionate, I'm sincere, mm-hmm. yes. um, yeah. I like to make people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that might be a weakness and a strength within an evangelist. Right. Um, so what do you think about that? Yeah, that's a really important question. I love that. And I love how, you know, you're even sharing some of yours and, and mm. things that you feel like have held you back. And I think when I first got to Bethel's ministry school, I could not, this, this feels so crazy to my friends and family, but I actually wouldn't have told you that I was an evangelist or I was evangelistic. I thought what I felt was normal growing up to yeah. be burdened for the loss and these things. And it sounds like it's been similar for you where it's, mm. it's just, it's a grace. It really is a grace. And, but I think that first year of school, I was so bound by the fear of man because I'd come from a lifestyle of being around a lot of people who were really cool. And that was kind of like to be influential, to be pretty, to be cool. It was like, those are the marks of success. I was in the PR industry and especially in that industry, it's very glam, superficial, who you know, what you know. And so I remember reading a scripture I'd seen even as a kid in Galatians where it talks about whose approval are you looking for? Mm -hmm. And that you can actually only be a servant of Christ when it's his approval that you're seeking after. And I remember almost that setting my heart free of, you know, kind of you're talking about the fear of, you know, what are people going to think about me? Right. But Going back to the heart of your question and the the personality of an evangelist, I think that this could feel sensitive to some people listening, but I want I just want to speak the truth and please. I think that we're living in a generation. I'm a millennial. Mm-hmm. We're millennials. Yes. And I'm so proud to be part of this generation. But I've watched a generation look to personality test mm-hmm. to determine what their personality, their gifts, their strengths. Are and it's almost forfeiting the personality of Jesus. The yeah. Bible says you were formed in the image of God. Yeah. And in Genesis it says, Let we've made them in our image. You're made in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living inside of you. So I don't look to my personality to determine whether I'm a good evangelist or not. Mm-hmm. I look to the personality, the personhood of Jesus. Yeah. And I look to what his ministry looked like when he walked the earth. And he was bold. He was kind. Look to the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Do you have self-control? Do you have joy? You know, it's like look to, that has to be the foundation because before you're an evangelist, you're a son and a daughter. You're a yes. lover of God. Mm-hmm. And so I think there can be 
um, kind of almost stereotypes. Even if we talk about creatives, we're all creatives here. Yeah. And so, some, you know, there can be stereotypes of that. Or, uh, you know, creative people are usually A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we, we use language like that, it can make other people feel disqualified to do yes. what we do. Yes. Because I have a lot of introverted friends, quieter friends who are mm-hmm. like, I'm clearly not an evangelist because I'm not loud. Yeah. Well, don't look to your personality test to decide if you have a gift or not. Look to the eyes of heaven. Look into the eyes of Jesus. It says his eyes are like flame fire. Look into the eyes of fire and ask him, am I, evan- am I an evangelist? Don't look at Myers-Briggs. Don't look at the Enneagram. Don't look like that is <laughs> not the, the solid truth. Don't look at your horoscope. Please don't. Um, but that is not where we look to determine, am I a good evangelist? Or even, you know, am I a good mom, you know? Every day of being a mom in your life probably isn't just, you know, daisies and rainbows. But it's so important we anchor ourselves in the truth Mm -hmm. and that that we are made in his image. And it actually doesn't matter if I'm scared to talk to people. I'm not a good communicator. Do you realize that Jesus never went more than 200 miles of his birthplace? His marketing plan was a bunch of misfit, rebel, criminals, like... If the gospel was going to be hindered going forth, it should have been then, you yes. know? And so I'm just, I'm so confident that our personalities are not going to get in the way, yeah. but our, our, it's other things that get in the way. That is really good. Yeah. And, uh, you actually already answered one of my questions, which was, do you believe that someone that would qualify as an introvert <laughs> would be, could be an evangelist? And I fully believe that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, you know, just because our strengths are in in one side of the personality mm-hmm. trait versus another right. doesn't dictate how we can share the gospel mm-hmm. with people. And I love that. Um, okay, let's get into fear. Um, love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I personally struggle with. Yeah. Um, and I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm, I'm trying my best and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, just taking those daily steps. But... Uh, sometimes I am fearful when I'm called to evangelize. Does mm-hmm. this mean I don't have the gift? Right. Yeah. And I think that's even natural because even we've used the word grace and it's like, oh, I guess the grace isn't there. Yeah. But I think we have to remember, even if fear is present, so is Jesus. And which presence is more powerful, the spirit of fear mm-hmm. or are we going to take hold of God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's also great to say, but in the moments where you feel fear and you're like furiously like yeah. <laughs> quoting scripture, like praying under your breath and these things, it's like what really I think has been a game changer for me with fear is a couple of things. One, knowing that, you know, I don't think there's anyone that was ever going to be more persecuted, ostracized, criticized, <laughs> judged than Jesus. Yeah. And the Bible also talks about that we get to partake not just in his glory, but in his sufferings. And I remember the first time I really just got rejected for when I was preaching the gospel. It was a defining moment in my life, and it was my first year of school. I was in in and out Burger with some friends, and we went to pray for a man, just felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit. We pray for this man, and... You know, it was an amazing testimony. He ended up rededicating his life in the middle of In-N-Out Burger. He had told the Lord that day, Kelsey. He said he'd, he'd been in ministry. He got really burnt out. Something had happened, and he left ministry, left the Lord. He told the Lord that day, if someone comes to me and tells me about you, about the love of God, 
I will turn my life back to you, God. And we went and preached the gospel to him, just loved on him, encouraged him, and he gave his life back to the Lord that day. So we're feeling amazing, right? We're like, God is so good. (laughs) Like, this is so easy. Well, then, Kelsey, we look over and we see a group of young people, um, some Gen Zers, which I love that generation so much. And I was like, oh, man, I used to pastor youth. Like, we got this. So my, my German friend Matthias and I, we walk over to this table we start talking and they start screaming at us like F-bombs are flying. They're like, get away from me. Da-da. And My biggest fear ever. <laughs> it was mine too though, Kelsey. Yeah. Public rejection like that yeah. was so scary to me. And so I, one of the kids made eye contact with me and I just looked at him and I just sincerely said, Jesus loves you. And he said, then why did my dad leave me when I was a kid? Mm-hmm. And I was like, minister to him a little bit. And behind all of this is all this chaos going on. And I walk out and, you know, the kid did not give his life to the Lord. Yeah. It was a public disruption in the middle of in and out Burger. I'm feeling kind of like, oh, just like high on adrenaline probably. Yeah. And my friend Matias and I walk out and I just close my eyes. I just said, Jesus, what do you think about what just happened? And what are your thoughts? Because I feel shame. I feel this. I feel discouraged. And he was just ministering encouragement to me. He's like, Emily, you didn't miss it. You didn't do anything wrong. Like, And he just covered my heart. And honestly, since that day, I have moments that I can feel fear. But fear does not have the same grip on me. And so a lot of times I think, our worst fear almost has to happen yeah. <laughs> for it to be confronted. To and I'm not out, talking yeah. about like sickness or anything because, you know, the, the enemy alone comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm talking about if your biggest fear is public speaking, you probably need to do it. You know why, Kelsey? Because a lot of times where the most fear is the most resistance mm-hmm. is because the enemy knows that if you were ever to actually step on the other side of fear with that thing, that it's where you're going to be the most fruitful. He's always going to to bring the most fear where you could be the most impactful. And I've seen that in my own life. (laughs) Walmart delivery. We love it. It's okay. You don't have to get it. I got it. Oh, okay. And so I think... Gotta love Brooke. If you're listening to this and you feel a lot of fear around evangelism or you feel a lot of fear around anything, like you should really take that to the Lord because your destiny is probably on the other side of that breakthrough. Yeah. So, but a practical tool to overcome that is I think the more time you spend with Jesus, the greater intimacy you're experiencing with him. Yeah. That, that is when we're bold because we don't need our boldness. We need his boldness. And yeah. Proverbs says um, that we actually have the boldness the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, which is Jesus. Yeah. So you don't have to be reliant upon your gifts, your eloquence, your boldness. Like Kelsey is carrying the boldness of Jesus, yeah. and that's enough. And, you know, sometimes people can even be like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. And I think a lot of times evangelism is seeing and serving. Yeah. How Jesus stopped for the woman at the well, seeing the one that the world could pass by, seeing the one that even Christians might walk by, yeah. seeing them and then saying, okay, Holy Spirit, how can I serve this person? Is it a cup of coffee so then I can sit and minister the gospel to them? Is it picking up groceries and taking them to my neighbor who's sick and elderly? Yeah. Is it serving my stepdad who, you know, is, you know, is 
I, if you're listening and you have family who doesn't know the Lord, just see them and serve them. Yeah. And you don't have to go and like open air preach in the middle of Walmart. It doesn't have to be this huge thing, but start small and push past every day a little bit of fear. Yeah. And th- that kind of your whole story behind that kind of brought to my attention that I feel like God places slow burns in my life mm-hmm. of those people. This I have some extremely stubborn people in my life. <laughs> like I mean it it it's it's a very slow process. Mm-hmm. Of, of getting under the skin, uh, yes. getting under the surface yeah. with them because they are so bitter and, mm-hmm. and just don't even want to hear anything. Yeah. And, um, and they're people that I have to be around. Mm-hmm. And um, not that I don't want to be around them, but I'm saying as if, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just someone yeah. on the side of the road. It's someone that I right. have to be in constant yes. um, yeah. communication with and... Sometimes I have been led to not even say anything yeah. remotely uh, towards the gospel, mm-hmm. but to just love them yes. and let them know that I love them. Yes. Even yes. when they're in their bitter yeah. moments and they're just mm-hmm. kind of not mm-hmm. being nice. Yeah. Um, that I have to love them yeah. and push past that. And yeah. Uh, I feel like sometimes those are my fearful moments mm-hmm. of whenever I'm around someone that I care about yeah. Yeah. and they are so closed off to mm-hmm. what I have to say mm-hmm. um, that even my presence is yeah. almost kind of like yeah. a, ooh, like tense, yeah. you yeah. know, which I, now that I am learning and growing and mm-hmm. that I know what that is, but yeah. um, it's almost kind of like, when I know they're tense with me around, it almost mm-hmm. brings that tension yeah. back on me. And yeah. I'm like, okay, how do I approach this? How do, yeah. what do I say? Yeah. And, um, sometimes I just kind of have to say a little prayer and say, God, yeah. give me boldness. Give yeah. me boldness yeah. of, yeah. even when you're on a plane, you mm-hmm. know, like when you're flying on a plane, mm-hmm. like it, in any believer's mind, you're like, oh, well, like hopefully the person that I sit next to is approachable yeah. and open yeah. and wants to talk. And then, well, what if I sit next to them and I start talking to them and they just yeah. earbuds in, reading yeah. a book, like, I don't want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are kind of the the tactics that the, yeah. the enemy likes to use on me because yeah. it's like, okay, well, what if they what if they reject you yeah. and then you have to spend this entire plane ride feeling awkward, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Those are, those are the things that go in my mind and I'm sure in mm-hmm. lots of people's mm-hmm. minds. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up, that a lot of yeah. listeners may not be so fearful about approaching yeah. a table or mm-hmm. approaching people. Yeah. It's the people that are really close to them. Yes. That they know yeah. that their eternity is not in heaven. And Come on. It's, yeah. it's, it's burdening yeah. them a lot. And yeah. that was another thing that I was going to bring up was the burden part yeah. of it. Um, yeah. I think that... Even since I was young, I've always just been really burdened by other people's mm-hmm. loss yeah. and pain. Yeah. And uh, if, like, for instance, I'm just going to bring this up. Uh, we were with family recently, mm-hmm. and um, one of my family members uh, jokingly said, um, you know, I don't believe in that little effort, mm-hmm. um, talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it pained me like it was all I could think about all night 
I didn't even approach the person. I didn't even say, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. let's talk about this. Because yeah. I knew yeah. that in that moment, there was not gonna, it was not going to be received mm-hmm. um, yeah. just in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I just... I ended up just praying the whole night and mm-hmm. I didn't, I mean, like we were doing other things, but I was still in prayer and I was yeah. just like, God, like show this person yeah. that you, yeah. that you're real and that you love mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And, um, sometimes there, there comes a hopelessness with that just yeah. of like, I don't see them changing and God's like, you're mm-hmm. the vessel, like yeah. <laughs> come yeah. on. And I'm sitting there like, well, what, what do I say? What do I do? They're, they're not going to listen yeah. to me. They just think that I'm a crazy person that, you know, believes in the Bible yeah. and it's just a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, um, that is just, that is really painful for yeah. me. Um, yeah. which I feel like comes with the evangelism mm-hmm. grace of the, the pain and the burden of, uh, non-believers. And one scripture that came up for me with all of this was first Corinthians three, six through nine, which is, I planted this from Paul. Uh, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God mm-hmm. has been making it grow. Yes. So neither the one who plants nor the nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things yeah. grow. Yeah. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You mm-hmm. are God's field, filled God's building. Which, for me, really impacts me in a way of, okay... Sometimes I feel like I didn't do enough. I didn't say enough. I didn't yeah. love them enough. Like, God, I, I wasn't listening to you clearly. Mm-hmm. Like, I was too nervous. I was too yeah. shaky. Yeah. And God's like, no, you're you're doing exactly what I want mm-hmm. you to do. Yeah. And I'm going to water it. And yeah. sometimes I feel like all I'm doing is planting seeds. Yeah. I'm not really getting anywhere. I'm just planting seeds. And that's mm-hmm. with any situation, not even just the, yeah. the people that I'm talking about specifically. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be a little, uh, disheartening mm-hmm. at times because totally. we, because we yeah. want to, we want this like big impact where like yeah. Yeah. they're, they're led to the Lord and tomorrow they're like right. memorizing Maverick city songs <laughs> and like reading the Bible. And it's like, yes. yeah. you know, we want to see that, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's our, um, millennial mm-hmm. uh, generation of, we want that instant gratification of like, we want to see them mm-hmm. instantly. Or else we didn't do it correctly. Yeah. yeah. And that was another thing I was going to get into was the instant gratification. Yeah. And I wrote down it can be a slow slow burn at times. Funny that a Refiner song came on this morning while I was praying. Mm, love that song. Um, me too. And we are just in a really selfish, narcissistic age. Mm-hmm. And sometimes whenever we're talking to people, mm-hmm. we don't invest enough in them. Mm-hmm. And we talk too much about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And as much as we need to share our testimony of before Christ yeah. and after Christ, something that I am learning is to just really invest in that person mm-hmm. and to make them feel loved and valued mm-hmm. and worthy yeah. versus like, me, 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 me. This yeah. is what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that was a lot of good stuff. I'm like going back. <laughs> I talk a lot, which is probably the last thing that I just said is something I need to work on. No, that was a lot of good stuff. A lot to munch on. I think as far as like going back to family, because I feel like in the last couple of months, like I've, I've never had a hard time being passionate or intense or, you know, even as a kid, I was concerned about the realities of heaven, eternal realities of heaven right. and hell. 
But something has truly shifted in my heart between the last two or three months where I'm like more convicted than ever that it's important to go into the nations. It's important to go and do missions and do outreach. Mm -hmm. But it's actually really immature to ask God for the nations because I think it's in Psalms or Proverbs, I can't remember, but it talks about the nations being our inheritance. And Jesus is the desire of the nations. And it's great that we live, especially I feel like one thing millennial generation has done so well is we've seen a lot of movements like circuit riders and what YWAM is doing. And there's lots of evangelistic missional places. And I'm so grateful for those places that are equipping generations to go. Mm -hmm. But in tandem with that, we also need to learn to stay and sow. And you can go and stay at the same time because you can be obedient to go. And for some, that actually might just look like going to Walmart. I don't expect everyone to hop on a plane and go overseas or go to a different nation or lead, you know, a revival. So, you know, like that's not my expectation. But going back to doing the work of the evangelist, I think tending to your backyard, tending to those who are closest to you. And about two or three months ago, I started a list on my whiteboard in my office. And I have names of family members, old co-workers, people I was in PR with, people I was in business with. Like, it is a long list. I have all of my best friends, like, unsafe siblings on there. And I have just started, because in Ephesians it talks about we don't wage war against flesh and blood. Like, the problem is not the person in front of us that they just won't make a decision or they just won't wake up to Uh who Jesus is. We actually need to go wage war and win the war in the heavenlies before we're out being like, you need to repent, you need to choose Jesus. (laughs) It's like, no, how much time have you watered your ministry to people in prayer? Mm -hmm. Because I'm telling you, like, the people on that border, some of the most unreachable, to in man's eyes, some of those unreachable people, like people who are living, like, very deep lifestyles of sin. And as I've prayed, I'm telling you, Kelsey, I've begun to see a shift in three or four. And where it's been from, like, completely closed off to, mm-hmm. oh, I've, you know, community. And I'm yes. being careful with what I'm saying because yes. a lot of these people. Yeah. And so I'm starting to see the fruit of that. And yeah. I'm actually finding so much joy in my ministry right now looking changes. like my family. Yeah. And the, the people that I know that are lost. And so I think... Wage war in prayer. Mm. And going back to seeing and serving. Sometimes people don't need the gospel preached to them. They need a demonstration of the gospel. Yes, They need a demonstration of the personhood and the leadership of Jesus. They actually don't need anyone else to preach to them. Because what's probably happened is... Preached to their whole life. By probably a lot of religious people. Who had never encountered the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot... Like the Holy Spirit... The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Jesus. Mm. And if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you only know the law. Yes. You don't know the one who came to fulfill wow. it. That and is so that cool. is a really head. The yoke of religion mm-hmm. keeps so many people away from relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So I think the more that you can demonstrate who Jesus is to someone, mm-hmm. that's sometimes the best evangelism tool. It's not proclaiming and preaching. Sometimes it's just demonstrating. Yes. Sometimes it looks like radical forgiveness with family. 
Sometimes yeah. it looks like showing up in the midst of rejection and persecution and saying, I'm going to serve you because Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost. His, uh, his mission was to come to not be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mm. And a ransom, like that's, that's a high form of sacrifice. Yeah. So if your evangelism is not sacrificial, if you're not seeking and, and, and wanting to see them saved, mm. but your motivation is just, I just want them to believe. I just want them to be a Christian. I'm mad because they don't look like me. Yeah. Well, you need to go back that God's greatest dream for your life, mm. you're already walking in. Yeah. And it's to know him. If you're listening to this and you're a Christian, you're already living in God's greatest dream for your life. It's yes. to know him. His second greatest dream is that you would make him known to others. Love God, love your neighbor. Yeah. If you're not loving your neighbor, you're actually in disobedience. Yeah. And you're actually not living God's greatest dreams for your life. Yeah. So just start by serving. Mm. And, you know, as far as fear, going back to that, I don't, I'm just like, eternity is so much bigger than my 80 or 90 years here. And what I have to keep in mind is there's going to be a day where Emily, Kelsey, and Brooke are all on the other side of heaven. And when we get to see his eyes, I do not want to be able to say I held anything back. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sit there and be like, Oh, what could I have done? What could have been possible? I want to say I seized every day. I took your promises at their word. I lived a life that demanded the need for resurrection power and not manpower. That I lived a life that was not void of power and transformation, but I actually lived so close and lived at his feet and lived under the power through and in the power of God. Not only was I transformed, but by just simply following Jesus, the people around me began to be transformed. And I want to be able to look at him and say, I held nothing back. If you held nothing back, Jesus, I didn't either. And Leonard Ravenhill has a quote that says, are you living a life worth Christ dying for? And if I, I urge you, if, if you're not experiencing any persecution or tension or resistance, <laughs> you probably aren't living right. in the provision of the cross. Because right. the provision of the cross says, hey, it might look impossible for your family member who made that comment mm-hmm. to ever have a relationship with Jesus. But his blood is provision that what's been impossible is now possible. Mm. That we don't have to rely on manpower anymore. That he actually filled us with resurrection power. And resurrection power says nothing is impossible. Mm. So it's having an awareness that there's a greater reality at work. That this realm is inferior to what heaven says. The heavenly reality says he can cer- he's certainly a candidate for heaven. Certainly a candidate for encounter because an act says that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that makes him a candidate for an encounter with God. Yeah. All flesh. Yeah. Not man, not woman, young, old, rich, poor, all flesh. He's a candidate for encounter. He's a candidate to be a lover of Jesus. It reminded me of that. I don't know if have you ever heard this message or sermon from anybody that says, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in heaven. You know, the the idea of just waiting in line. Yeah, see. yeah. And Paul's standing there, and you see Paul, yeah. and he's like, he's like, wow, you're from two thousand and twenty. Oh my gosh! So like, you had the cell phones and internet. Like, mm-hmm. how did you? How did you um, mm-hmm. witness to people? Like, how many right. lives did you save? And they're standing mm-hmm. there like, oh, uh, 
I didn't really do anything. And he's like, really? Like, you had a phone? And mm-hmm. we didn't have phones or, you know, mm-hmm. or internet. Of I mm-hmm. mean, I had to walk to people to share the gospel. Yeah. And that totally just, like, ignited a fire in me mm-hmm. um, when I heard that. Because I was like, wow. Like, yeah. we yeah. have all of these platforms. Yeah. And we don't access it because we're yeah. afraid of what yes. people are going to think yeah. of us. Yeah. People that don't really care yeah. about us, you yeah. know. And that's just been a big... I love what you said about that. I like absolutely love that. Like I'm probably going to play that on repeat um, before I go to sleep. So Brooke's shaking her head. She is too. Um, so one of my other questions was one thing that I researched last night was uh, I had listened to a video where they talked about how there's two types of evangelism. Mm-hmm. One being an evangelist that just spreads the gospel mm-hmm. And one that helps equip mm-hmm. evangelizer. Mm-hmm. Am I using that word right? Evangelist. <laughs> Evo- evangelizer. I like evangelist. that. Evangelizers. Yeah. <laughs> we make up our own words over here. But equipping people for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, you know, on my best days, mm-hmm. that's where I really yeah. thrive is, is mm-hmm. equipping and motivating people mm-hmm. to be... Um, to be motivating, yeah. you know, yeah. and instead of putting my, all of my focus on mm-hmm. me being an evangelist, yeah. I really love thinking about equipping others yes. for that. Yes. And that really just like mm-hmm. triggered something in me that mm-hmm. was like, I've never heard that before. So yeah. what do you, what do you think on that about equipping people for evangelism? Yeah. Um, I mean, going back to kind of how we started the conversation. Yeah. There is a responsibility, especially for those in the fivefold office, that it's like, this is my life calling. Mm-hmm. And also with those who are operating the out of the grace of the evangelist, um, because I'm trying to, to find something real quick. Um, yeah, it's in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, mm-hmm. to pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And so... I feel like the office of the evangelist is like God appoints you to that. Mm-hmm. But we actually have permission to eagerly desire mm-hmm. any of the spiritual gifts. We can ask to operate in them for him to give us a grace for them. Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot of the equipping typically come out of those who are living in like the lifelong calling of like this is what I'm giving my life to. Yeah. And God has appointed me. Yes. And but I think it's you probably even as, you know, a successful photographer, you're always looking for the next one to raise up. And the mm-hmm. same way that that is the heart in business, you, you know, you're always looking for the next person to take over a business or your position or things. It's the same in the kingdom where we see mothers and fathers raising up sons and daughters and sons and daughters then learn to become mothers and fathers who raise up sons and daughters. And (laughs) that is the the most effective thing in the kingdom is when, A, you wake up to the reality that you're a son or daughter. Mm. It's really important before equipping anyone or you'll try to equip for identity and not from identity, which is really important. And then... Once God's kind of taken you on that journey, I think it's such a natural desire to say, hey, I've had a lot of breakthrough in this area in my life. Like, I see something on your life that looks like mine. Let's have coffee. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes because we're living in a time where you can slap 
I'm an influencer. I'm this. Mm -hmm. I'm that. And I just think God views influence so differently. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think Kelsey has to do a Zoom meeting that's full of 600 people. And we're doing evangelism equipping today. And yes. it's this big thing. Honestly, Kelsey, it honestly can look like asking a young girl to coffee who you see the gift of evangelism on your her life. Or you see a grace for it. You yeah. see that there's a Absolutely. calling on her life. That, hey, can we have coffee? And just sharing your journey. Because sometimes we feel like we have to be 10, 20, 30 steps ahead of someone to lead them. But you might have actually accessed a breakthrough in it. And so equipping for every believer, we're called to disciple. And so I feel like we should all be equipping people in the things that God has given us grace to do or appointed us into. Um, And it's, I mean, it's important. Yes, I agree. Here's a toughie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Bring it on. Yes. Yeah. Do you think the church is fully utilizing the gift of evangelism? And do you think the church embraces women evangelists? That is a good one. <laughs> um, ouch. Well, I always like to start macro and then kind of yes. come down. And so. Because not all churches are the same. Right. But. Well, yeah. on a macro level, I think that. We have been given the delight of exploring the heights, widths, depths of God's love for us. Yeah. And he is vast and he is matchless. And there is like the the capacity of who he is, should we experience it fully in these little earth suits of ours, like we would literally explode. Yeah. And so it's a hard thing to to say, are we fully accessing anything? Because in the kingdom, there is absolutely always more. Right. And so that's true. For 2021, December of 2021, I think COVID brought a massive shift to evangelism in the church. Because, you know, and I just want to clear it for anyone listening, God did not bring COVID to teach us a lesson or to <laughs> equip us for the end times or anything like that. Mm-hmm. John 10, 10 is very clear that the enemy alone comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus mm-hmm. comes that so we'd have life and life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. But we do serve this abundant life king who in Romans 8, 28 says that he works all things together for our good. Yeah. And sometimes he's so good at making wrong things right that we can think he causes the wrong things. Yep. And so I just want to say that I believe one of the things that God's made right in the midst of COVID is he has awakened the yeah. church. Yeah. Not woken, the church, but <laughs> like awaken. Yes. Like, and it's kind of what has happened is you're finding out if your faith was firm and what had built on sand mm. or the rock. Yes. What was <laughs> your foundation? I think it's the same for the church where what happened is a lot of big movements and ministries who were used to being able to fill their churches on Sundays and different things and travel, mm-hmm. all of that was brought to a halt. Yeah. And what we'd been magnified was being revealed movement by movement, ministry by ministry. Did you mean December 2020 or December 2021? Oh, well, I'm saying as of right now, oh, okay. I think there's been an awakening. <laughs> okay. But all of these things that have happened to COVID have really revealed and magnified yeah. what we were prioritizing. Mm-hmm. Metrics. You know, were we prioritizing members or disciples? Right. Were we prioritizing his presence or were we promoting our own agendas? All of this has been revealed. Right. And all of that has brought to a head Mm. in the global church what matters to us most. 
Yes. You know, and I think I feel more hopeful today than ever. Yeah. That evangelism is being valued because I think the bride is waking up to, hey, we're actually all called to the work of the evangelist. And I was very encouraged during COVID. I started seeing people hop on lives and do different things. Yeah. And so I think there's been a shift. And I think that we're greatly positioned to access it like we've never have. Yeah. And so I feel really hopeful with with that in mind. And I think we're kind of shaking off the dust of this last season. Mm -hmm. And I believe, um, just because we are walking an abundant life, I believe the greatest missions, the greatest evangelistic movements, the greatest soul winning movements are actually to come because why would he do less as things move forward? As his return comes closer, why would he do less? Right. We don't live in a kingdom of lack. So I think it's only going to get better. Yeah. Um, evangelism is only going to be greater emphasized Yeah. as far as women in the church as evangelist. And I think you use the word embraced. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I think, I think everyone's journey in that is going to require the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. because we've grown up in the South Mm -hmm. where I remember being a little girl and just like looking at the women around me and maybe only seeing one or two who even had a small fraction of the permission that I knew I was going to need to do what God was calling me to do as a kid. And I would say it's honestly been one of the harder journeys of my life. And to be really honest, I wouldn't say it's always (laughs) that I've always been the most embraced um, in that calling. And I say that to say one of the greatest breakthroughs I had while I was in Reading and was in school is I had an encounter with the Lord one day during worship and he came and was just like, whose evangelist are you, Emily? And I was wow. like, I'm yours. I'm your evangelist. And he said, that's right. You're God's evangelist. You're my evangelist. It actually doesn't matter who promotes you. It doesn't matter who positions you. It doesn't matter because everything in the world will pass away. But wow. when you get where you're going... I never want you to be able to look back and say, that leader promoted me. It's because of that leader I got where I was. It's because of that opportunity that I am who I am. Mm -hmm. No, God is the one that promotes, that gives authority. God is the one that's called us, equipped us, anointed us. And so I think we have room to grow. I mean, that's just the truth. Like, I think the church is more open to women in leadership mm-hmm. and as, as women evangelists, I think there's an openness that has increased. Mm-hmm. But you can't just be awakened to something and then stay in inaction. We have to partner with heaven now to ask, how do we position and release all of these women that God is raising up? Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, I say this with love. If you're a local church pastor, if you're leading a movement, I say this with so much love. If you don't get out of God's way, God will promote these women. Mm. God will promote the daughters. And so you can either be a part of what God is doing or 
his hand can move you out of the way and he'll promote who he's on in this season. Yeah. God isn't after personality, public figures. He's racing at faceless, nameless, humble, committed, devoted, undomesticated, untamed people yeah. in this hour who are not in it for anything other than eternal glory. Yeah. And if you try and stop those plans, he will accomplish them with or without you. Yeah. But I want to be making history with him. And in order to do that, churches are going to have to figure out how do we not just embrace and accept this? Now we have sound theology for this. But how do we release these women and not yeah. hinder their calling? Yeah. That is so good. <laughs> I'm just like mind blown right now by all your answers. <laughs> Brooke was right. You are. I do like you a lot. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> Good. Um, well, do you have, like, what would be your biggest advice for someone that maybe is um, treading lightly when it comes to mm-hmm. um, evangelism or just even, mm-hmm. even just having a really close relationship with Christ? Yeah. What's your biggest advice? I can tell you confidently that I have tasted and seen the things of the world. I've tried a lot of different drugs. I've had every alcohol you can taste. Mm. I've had money. I've had no money. I've had popularity. I've had none. I've had both ends of the spectrum. And I'm telling you, nothing can satisfy you but Jesus. Yeah. I'm telling you that the minute you wake up to his greatest dream for your life is to know him, to experience intimacy with him, to not just know the scriptures, but to know like the, the Bible is serious when it says that he is the word. Like this is not a lifeless thing that you open to read. Like God is in the scriptures. And I think being so set free from the religious spirit that said, if I can pray enough, if I can read the Bible enough, if I can do enough good works for the Lord, maybe my life will mean something. Maybe I'll be important. Wow. It's actually so all unto nothing if you don't know him, like if you don't have intimacy with him. And I'll never forget, I was had a chance to, to meet just one of my absolute heroes. And when I was with him, it was a couple summers ago, he said, Emily, he's a real intense guy. He's like, Emily, what is your dream for your life? And I was like, oh, I started sharing all these big dreams. Kelsey, I'm like, I want revival here and here and here. I want all these things. And do you know when you're hanging out with someone who knows a lot more than you and they <laughs> ask you a question and you just know it's a setup yeah. for your answer to be revealed as wrong? Right. Well, he says, Emily, I... Why don't you ask me what my dream is? I was like, oh gosh, what's your dream? And he totally unraveled my answer. He said, my dream is just to die old and in love with Jesus, Emily. And if other things happen, that's great. But I I just want to be in love with him. And I remember that last little bit of selfish ambition of me just being purged out. And I'm telling you, if you're listening to this, Like the greatest thing you can ever do is just fall in love with him because there's nothing that's going to satisfy you. No porn, no masturbation, no drug, no alcohol, no opportunity, no raise, no spouse. Like there is nothing that is going to satisfy you. You're going to spend your whole life spinning your wheels if you don't just find him. And this, these present generations have bought into the lie that you need to go out and find yourself. And I challenge that. I say, (laughs) don't go find yourself. 
find Jesus, die to yourself, and resist all of the bad new agey thinking of this generation that you need to find yourself, ground yourself, rub a crystal. No, you just need to find Jesus. Yeah. And in him you will find everything. If he was willing to literally die on a cross for you, stripped naked, beard plucked out. And I mean, how and what a like a mockery of like display of that being your last moments on earth. But he chose it. Yeah. He didn't die for you he died as you Mm. and if he is willing to do that i dare you to just give him one little just one little piece of your life and see what he'll do with it yeah guarantee you'll fall radically in love with him and you'll never turn back i agree none of us have so (laughs) no why would i leave yeah yeah like this is too good yeah even in the hardest moments of my life like i would never go back to living the way that i used to live never yeah would never choose it um wow let's also remind our audience how important it is to stay in the word. Um, yeah. And especially now. Yeah. That is something that, you know, I'm working on too, is that yeah. I don't want to just be speaking what Kelsey speaks and yes. my opinion of yeah. everything. And scripture is living and active yes. and you can't share the gospel if you don't know Come the on. gospel. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's right. just one thing that that's I right. am, you know, so a couple of my closest spiritual mentors in my life that, you know, they're so excited about this podcast for me and mm-hmm. they're just like praying for it. But they're also mm-hmm. like, Kelsey, like so important for you to stay yeah. in the word and yes. to, to, um, always go back to scripture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep. I think that's so important for our generation because yes. we just think that we can receive everything from yeah. YouTube videos. And yes, I know mm-hmm. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, even some TikTok videos. Okay. <laughs> I'm 30. Sorry. But I cannot receive anything without being in the word first. And um, that is just so important that I feel our listeners need to hear too. Yes. Last question. I'm really sad that it's over. Almost (laughs) over. (laughs) What is your God-given purpose, Emily? What a question. Yeah. Well, I've spent a lot of years (laughs) figuring out, discovering with him. Um, (laughs) But I know without a shadow of a doubt that my purpose you know first and foremost is to love God and love people but my my purpose on this earth is to awaken equip and send people because it is my personal conviction that there is revival for every nation and generation and I that's what I'm willing to live for and die for is to see people awakened to him and equipped for a life of following Jesus and his plan for their lives and sending them out into whatever sphere of influence. And I think that's even important to touch on before we wrap up is you don't, you can be a stay at home mom, you can be a mechanic, you can be a veterinarian and you can still show the love of God to people. It's not in a specific position. Um, but you can actually see the kingdom. You can see heaven touch earth through your life. No matter what you do, no matter how small you feel, no matter how deep in sin you even feel right now, God can use you Mm. and he wants to use you. And he is the one that qualifies. It's not a degree. It's not perfection. There's nothing. He qualifies and he perfects us. So God has a purpose for your life as well. I just encourage you to dream outrageously with him. Yeah. I love that. 
I do want to, okay, I want to ask some fun questions. Fun questions. Yeah. What, what's it like living in good old California? <laughs> well, Coming from Arkansas to California. Well, it depends on what's going on at the political realm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it, um, oh. It's a, it is a place that is ripe for revival. That is my perspective on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, you're in Northern California. I'm in North California. So you're pretty far from LA, are you? Uh, yeah, I think it's like eight hours, but I do like to go to San Fran quite a bit. Yeah. I'm really kind of a fan of San Fran I love and the San coast. Francisco, yes. Lots of good beaches. Yeah. But it's awesome. I actually really love NorCal, and we're close to Oregon, Washington. Yeah. Big Sur is like a few hours from me. Yeah. So that's Photography amazing. Photography land. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're telling me. I'm like, I need to come visit. You should there's yeah. so many good places to shoot so yeah. it's great we have lots of good coffee shops because that's important what's your favorite thing to do when you come back to arkansas um other than eat as much mexican food as i possibly can <laughs> because there's no good mexican food in um reading oh i bet not um but i honestly this is so brooke will know because brooke and i met at a coffee shop I flipping love to go sit in Fort Smith Coffee Co. Yes. It's, it's such just, a great coffee Well, place. and it's like, that is literally, God met me there in such a special way in my season yeah. being here. And it was in that coffee shop where he spoke to me to move to Reading. Yeah. It is in that coffee shop where I met friends like Brooke. And like, I really stepped into who I am sitting yeah. in that coffee shop and dreaming on my little MacBook. And yeah. like, you know, headphones in, like. I just love to go back and You know, visit. the owners go to harvest time. Yes, yes. yes. We, love, we so love Fort Smith Coffee Co. Yes, we do. <laughs> I, I love that place. I, we have so many great uh, local coffee shops around yes. here. Yes. <laughs> Brooke can probably attest to that. Keeps that, them in like, business. Oh my, yes, she does. Oh, my gosh. Anytime she's coming over or meeting me somewhere, what do you want from Starbucks? Or, That's Brooke, you know, yeah. Yeah. Always coffee, always on her mind, and then I'll have her, I'll say, hey, ask me some interview questions on a podcast, and they're like, what's your favorite holiday drink? And I'm like, that's what you're going to ask me is about coffee? Ah! <laughs> I like to start small and yeah. build up. Yeah. Yes, she starts small and then builds up. All right, Emily, it was so awesome having you on. I feel like I have like gained so much from this conversation, Aww. and that's what I love about this podcast is that... It's not just for my listeners, yeah. but it's for me too. And wow. I, I just really grow so much just within an hour, <laughs> hour and 15 minutes of time. Wow. So thank you so yes. much for coming on. Thanks for having you. me, Kelsey. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Picturing Purpose Podcast. Find us on Anchor as well as every major streaming service. If you are excited for this journey and want to see this podcast thrive, there are many ways you can help. The most simple thing you can do is by leaving a five-star review on your streaming service of choice. Reviews help podcasts so much. Another easy thing, anytime you see a post from the Picturing Purpose Podcast social media pages please comment like and share this generates a bigger audience and brings more listeners you never know one of your friends may need to hear an encouraging word i need daily motivation myself 
Last, but definitely not least, if you want to see this podcast fulfill its purpose, your donations are incredibly appreciated. Keeping the podcast up and running is an extra cost I have taken on and will continue to do as needed. I know that God will always provide because this podcast is His. Not only will donations go to the making of the podcast, but Picturing Purpose will be blessing a portion of its monthly earnings to people in need. Whatever God puts on my heart is where the money will go. There is no donation too small, and you can also set up reoccurring payments. Even $5 a month would be super helpful. If you are unable to donate, your prayers are powerful. Please pray for this podcast and that it continues to serve its purpose and spread the love of Christ. Our hope is that Picturing Purpose is an encouragement to anyone that needs it and that we create strong, confident, and motivated disciples. Thank you for your support.